This morning, as you come at the end of our service, we're going to uh, anoint anyone that would like to be anointed with oil for prayer, and uh, we're going to pray the prayer of faith together in Jesus' name for answered prayer. So uh, today I want to talk to you about navigating <coughs> the spiritual or scriptural and uh, spiritual balance between righteous outrage and redemptive mindsets. You know, that's very important today uh, for us to think about this because, you know, there are a lot of people who are righteously indignant and there are a lot of people who are angry. And, uh, you know, I, I've prayed about this quite a bit in my own life, thought about it. You know, what, why, where, where, where is the balance, uh, the righteous anger and the redemptive mindset? And, you know, how do we, Lord, help us to walk in that balance where we're not uh, too righteous, we're not so righteously indignant that we won't allow for the, for the compassion and the grace of God uh, to be a part of our interactions with people. Because, you know, sometimes we can be very angry people in life and we can live our lives in such a way that it obscures the love of God. And we want to live a life where we have that righteous indignation within us that just uh, despises sin and yet have this great and overwhelming love for those who need to find Christ, those who need to be delivered out of darkness. How many here today think it would be a good thing to think about that, to pray about that in, your, in our lives? Because there's a lot to be angry about if you look at everything. I really have kind of dialed out of 90% of what I had been dialed into because I found myself getting more angry. And there wasn't really a whole lot of compassion. There wasn't much redemptive uh, in my, not, not, not much redeeming in my thoughts toward people. You know, not, I, looked at, I look at things as a very, uh, I was looking at things, and every time I would read or hear something, it just made me angry. And God has directed me to look in his word, to spend time with him, because he will equip me with the mindset that I need to have in order to be effective in the day that I live as a believer. You know, I, we're all going to leave this world at some point. Every one of us are going to leave here at some point. I mean, we're not staying around forever. We're either going to be raptured or our day comes when the Lord calls us home. And in that time frame, you know, I want God to use me for his redemptive purposes. I want to see people added to the kingdom of God. How many of you want that to happen in your community, in your neighborhood? You'd like to see people in your neighborhood be, find redemption in Christ. You know, we look at these things that cause outrage, and there are a lot of them, and I don't minimize them. America's in a very, very precarious place, as is the world. This is not just an American crisis at the moment. This is a global crisis. It's really the fallen nature of man that is just outraged toward God and fighting against the truth. And in the midst of that battle, we can find ourselves becoming uh, so angry, at, and, and that anger can cloud, and it can obstruct Christ in you. Because, you know, we're going to meet up with people who, 
uh, are, are so much different than we are in the sense that they live a different life, they, their, their experiences are different, and yet if we're just ang- angered by what we see, we don't see what Jesus saw important enough to die for. Do you and I see what Christ viewed as important enough to die for with compelling grace? Do, you look at, do we look at people and we have that redemptive mindset when we go out in the morning that it's God's will to, for people to be saved? You know, we need to reach, redirect our mindsets. Because sometimes in the morning we get up and we think, wow, this world's such a wicked and evil place. And, and it is. It's fallen. It's, it's depraved, all of those things. But as a, as a church, we need to go out with a redemptive mindset. That it's God's will today that someone be introduced to him. It's God's desire today that light shine into the darkness. And you are the answers to those needs. As a believer, you are the answers to those needs. The gospel is referred to by its own authority as good news. How many still believe the gospel is good news? You know, it's good news to those who are blind and dying in sin and those who have gone so far astray that there doesn't seem to be any hope for them. This morning as we read the scripture, it really jumped at me as I read this scripture this week. It says in James 3, 9, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You know, for those of you who know probably a lot more about ocean life and, 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 the, and the, uh, just, you know, the ecosystem and all of that, there's brackish water. And brackish water contains enough salt that it really is not drinkable in its state. And it's, it, it, it's actually not good for plant life either. And so that brackish water, while it's not completely considered to be salt water, it contains enough of a salt composite that it's not drinkable. If you drink brackish water long enough, it will cause damage to your organs and eventually you will die. And so as we think about this today, you know, we as Christians can't be tainted by the things that the world is tainted, is mired in. You know, we can't live this life without hope. If we have hope in this life only, the Bible says we're of all men most miserable. So if we only have this window of hope that exists from day to day and is not based upon the eternal promises of God, then we're going to find ourselves walking around as miserable people. How many know God doesn't want his church to be miserable? God doesn't want his church to be the gloom and doom people. You hear that? The wages of sin is death, and it will always be death. 
Man is blinded in his sin against God, but we as the church of the living God are not denying the realities of what we see every day, but what we are acknowledging is that there is a grace that is greater than all of the sin of all mankind. And God wants people to know that. That's our mission. That's our mission. To introduce people to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. To introduce them to the hope that is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. You know, as we think about our words, the Bible says out of one side of our mouths we speak, we bless God, we praise Him, and that's our calling. We've been called out of darkness into the light to praise Him. All of creation is to glorify God. And guess who's to be at the forefront of that procession? The church. That's our, that's our calling, to exalt him, to praise him, because how many here realize that if you're truly born again, you were brought out of darkness? You, each one of us were brought out of darkness. Without a knowledge of the fact that we were lost in our sin and dying without Christ, we, we can't appreciate the fact that others need Jesus. You know, I was reading a little bit about who talks the most and there are different surveys, and if you look at all of them, well, some will say that women definitely talk more than men. How many women believe you talk more than men? They don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> Tommy, Joe does. Joe's the only one to affirm that. The women are saying, it's not, no, I'm not answering that. It's not true. I don't, I'm speechless. <laughs> But you can find studies that will, will uh, say men speak uh, about the same. There aren't too many that will say that men speak more. But there are some that will say that men speaks roughly uh, uh, the same. The number of words that a man uses is somewhat similar. You know, I have no idea who speaks more. It depends on the individual and the person, but the words that we are speaking are substantial, and as believers, we understand there is a weight to the words that we are speaking. We are stewards of our words. We've been called first and foremost to praise God, and you know, that's always easier to do in a sterile environment. When everything's going well, it just is such a, it's such an impulse, natural impulse of us to want to exalt the Lord and give him praise. But, you know, we don't live in a sterile world. We live in a broken world. We live where people are dying without hope. We are, we are living in a world where the church is going to experience in America more persecution than it has ever even dreamt possible. You say, I want to pray that away. i got to tell you, I don't believe that's the really ought to be the focus of our prayers. We ought to pray that God be glorified. Not that we get to go through this without any persecution or hardship or adversity. The number one thing that should be upon our hearts is that all people be introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, we're not here to pray for self-preservation. We are here to pray that God would, allow, would enable the church to move under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be and to speak and to do the things that it has been called to do in this hour because people are dying without Christ. Every empty pew, there's a lot of people away. This summer is people in, people out. That's just the nature of it. But I want to tell you, every empty seat, there is a lost soul that can fill that seat. 
And you know what? There's a person or two or three or four or five or a dozen or more that you know that could fill those seats. But they first, you know, we we have to see them as souls and realize that every person that we know, every person that we don't know is is on a path. And that path is either that, that narrow path that leads to eternal life, or they're on that broad, super multi-lane, well-paved, well-lit, lit in the sense of it's, it's just made to be as easy and accessible for any fallen soul to travel, and that's the broad road that leads to destruction. How many here are concerned about those who are on the highway to hell? You know, they're, they're, you know I, I, and I don't listen to this. I really, well, I did listen to it, I'll confess. I was in my car and I listened to Highway to Hell this week. You say, you're a preacher, you listen to that. You know why I listened to it? I, I wanted to hear the lyrics that were said. And this person or whoever it was was singing that song was just uh, celebrating the fact that they were going to hell and they knew it and nothing could stop it and they were just uh, having one big party on the way to hell. And it grieved my heart because as I heard that song, it really began, uh, it, it really brought to me the understanding a little more that people in this world are, are really not a fearful of going to hell. They're celebrating and embracing their lostness. We look at what the world is celebrating today, and we can see it celebrates evil. How many are bold enough to say amen to that? It celebrates evil. And you know, that, that, that doesn't harden my position against people, but it should certainly inflame my heart to speak the truth and to show the light and the love of Christ to those who are going to hell. We're uncomfortable using this terminology in churches anymore because we, we want to be socially palatable. We want people to keep coming back. I want people to be, keep coming back, but not at the expense of God's call to this nation to know him as Savior and Lord. You know, think about this. The people that are around us are part of the crisis you know, the crisis is not only an American crisis, it's a world crisis. A lot of noise, a lot of, uh, a lot of voices that are speaking, political, non-political, religious, non-religious, faith-based, agnostic, atheistic, polytheistic, human theistic. Everyone wants to be the voice of the revolution that they believe that they are inspiring Everybody wants to be the voice for the new social norm, the voice of the conscience of America. The Holy Spirit's voice must be heard. Come on, church. How many of you want Hollywood being your spokesman? How many of you want politicians being your spokesmen who don't know the Lord, who have no, no, no faith at all in God, have no appreciation of any code of morality as established by God? How many say, I don't want them speaking for me, and I'm not in the caboose on this train? 
The church is meant to be the locomotive moving forward, empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled with the word of the living God. The social media is full of postings from the wannabe voices of the day. It's essential that the Holy Spirit voices be heard. We must be confident that we are not merely another voice. When we are speaking full of the Holy Spirit, we are the most important voice that America or the world can hear at this moment. How many believe that the Holy Spirit is the most important voice that the world can possibly hear today? And he speaks through you. He speaks through his church. God has purpose to speak through you and to declare the truth to the world that Jesus Christ is, is the, the way, the truth, and the life. You, you have a personal calling, and I, we have a personal calling and a personal responsibility to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us into this world that is sick and dying from the toxic poisons. You know, we're not merely speaking as one of many voices. We're speaking in truth. You know, uh, I, I share this because sometimes I, I step back and thought, well, you know, this is foolish. I'm not going to do this anymore. I do a three-minute devotion every day. And, you know, sometimes I'll say to Robin, I'm not really sure how much of an impact this really makes with anybody. And she'll say no. And I say, I think I'm just going to quit. But I've done it every day for the last probably six months, and I'm going to continue to do it because the world needs to hear Christians, needs to hear faith. You say, well, we don't. I hear people say, well, you don't want to get preachy on Facebook. Well, but you know what? Here's the thing. I'm not a selfie kind of guy, so I'm going to preach. I'm not going to blast uh, the, the social media with, with my image, but I sure want to share Jesus with people through any and all means. I'd rather look foolish for Jesus than to be silent. You have a platform and a voice through which you can share Jesus. And are you concerned more about your image or who will like you or the pressures? that well, You know, we're going to have to ask these questions. It may come down to whether we want to keep our jobs or not. You know, there, there's going to come, a, it's here. There are people, because of their values, who are being released from employment. That if you don't subscribe to this and you don't celebrate that and you're not part of this, then you don't have a job here anymore. You understand, that's where we are today. And the church better buckle up and say, I'm going to be a Holy Spirit-filled voice into this world today. Come on, it's not a time for cowardice. Can't be afraid, can't run around and say, well, I just, uh, I want to be politically correct. I want to, you know, do you want a following or do you want people to hear Jesus, see him? And I'm going to finish up online here a little bit, on, online with my message. The voice of the Holy Spirit has to be accommodated. John 16, 8 says, when he comes, he will convict the world and show uh, where right and wrong and judgment lie. How many still believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking into the hearts of people who don't know him, bringing that convincing truth? How many still believe that conviction is part of the work of God? You know, it's interesting. There are those today who walk around saying it has no place. 
Conviction makes it, it's just, an, it's a, it, it makes me uncomfortable to talk about or makes me uncomfortable to think. But you know, without conviction, people don't know that there is a sin problem. And we need to have convict, allow conviction to go. We, you know, we're afraid to speak words that bring conviction. We're not the Holy Spirit. We're not the judge, jury, and executioner. But you understand something. Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace but a sword. How many hear that? To, oh, Jesus just walked around schmoozing everybody and everybody was good and they're all one big happy family. That is a crock of baloney. Because Jesus said, I come to bring a sword. Because the words that he spoke for some would be life. And for others, it would produce outrage. It would produce rejection. And he said that that people would have enemies even within their own families because this word would be so divisive. That there would be those who would come to Christ and there would be those, you know, that's the way it is. There are those who respond to the light and they come and they know the grace and the, and, and the goodness of God. And there are others that reject it. You know, we don't, we don't have a right to amend God's word to make it socially palatable. Palatable. I don't know what palatable means. Potable, I think you can drink the water, but palatable. I'm not saying that God doesn't add his commentary. We just need to make sure when we're speaking, it is his commentary and not ours. Come on, church. The world doesn't need more of us. It needs a whole lot more of him. And in in him, and we in him, and he in us makes the difference. You know, when, when Jesus came into the area, there was a separation of light and darkness. You know, we talk about persecution. You know, we're not victims, Church, we're not victims. How many here understand this isn't just a little group of victims sitting here and commiserating with one another? We, we, we're, we're walking with the, the champion, right? We, the champion of all champions is, our, is the head of this enterprise. The first and the last, the resurrection and the life. That's who's the head of all this today. And we're with him. Come on, church. We oftentimes say, well, he's with us. No, he is. But understand this. We're with him. We're going the direction he goes. He's not tagging along with us to find out where we're going. And then we say, okay, Jesus, I took this path. Is that okay with you? No, he leads. He doesn't follow. You almost with me for a little bit? Uh, here we look at the scriptures. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18.21, the tongue can bring death or life. You know, we, we can't spend our time cursing people. You understand, cursing people. You know, how many know this isn't a flesh and blood fight? There are a lot of obnoxious people in this world, and you, you might say yes, and you're one of them. But I got to tell you, our warfare is not against flesh and blood. And what, what we look at and disdain, Jesus loved enough to die for. We can't afford to turn our backs on those for whom Jesus died. We can't simply because we can't tolerate them, turn away from them and say, we don't want anything to do with you. That, that, that's not scriptural. We're to be separate in Christ, but we are to be in the marketplaces, in the workplace, in the, on the ball fields. Get it, church? We're to be the salt all, all over the place out there. 
We're not to be withdrawn and insular. We have to be those through whom Jesus releases the revelation of who he is. Our calling is to be distinct. What makes us distinct? It is our praise of the God who has called us out of darkness. You know, we're familiar with that. But, you know, sometimes our praise, we have to understand, praise is due to the Lord from all creation. The animate and the inanimate. You say, how does the inanimate give God praise? I'm going to tell you a little secret as to what I know about that. I don't. But the animate and the inanimate, the fibers of this carpet, oh, God, all praise. You say, you're crazy. I want to tell you, I believe that at the, at the name of Jesus, all creation bows. Things that are, are artificial or synthetic people, uh, spirit beings, angels, as we sang, falling prostrate. Make sure I get this right. Prostrate before the Lord. All of creation should bow before the Lord. You know, say, well, I can't believe the car. You talk about the carpet like that. I'm going to tell you, we talk about stones doing that, right? Well, the rocks will cry out to them. Well, I'm telling you today that the very fibers of this carpet up here needs to give praise and glory to God. And I don't know how that happens, but he is the king of all creation. Come on. He's the king of all glory. He is the king of glory. How many know that Jesus is the king of glory? He's not part of the kingdom of glory. He's the head of all of it. Our praise is due our Father. You're a chosen people. Come on, church. You are chosen by God. You're not, you're not just another presence and another voice. You are chosen by God to be his representative, to be his ambassador. I know for a fact that you and I have been called by God to be his ambassadors because his word tells us so. We are his ambassadors. We don't shrink, but we share the love of Christ. We can't hate people. We can't simply just denounce everybody for their sin. We can't even expect of unbelievers what we expect of one another because what we're saying is we want you to conform even if you don't have an experience with Jesus. How many know the world can't live a righteous life apart from Christ? And so while we want everyone to behave and to stop what they're doing, there's a sin problem. There is a fallen nature that can only be addressed through the blood of Christ. And so if we're really that concerned about people's behavior, we need to prayerfully believe that God wants to save them. It's easy to complain and to moan and groan and denigrate people and run them into the ground. But we're called to uh, declare the praises of God. This isn't our greatest challenge because we can do that. But sometimes we do it when it's merely convenient. I want to just say today to you here and those who may be connected in another way, um, you're not called to curse people. That's not our calling. Come on, church. You say, well, it's hard to do because I see all this stuff and i got to say, they're going to hell. The fact of the matter is every person that doesn't know Jesus Christ, no matter how good or bad they are, are going to hell. Come on, church. I don't believe good people are going to heaven without Jesus. Because it's not goodness that gets you there. It's being saved. How many still believe in a a salvation experience that gets you to glory? You know, you're not going to die and just say, people, people who are hoping they go to heaven and have never accepted Christ as their Savior and Lord, I want to tell you, stop it. 
Turn your focus on Jesus Christ because he can give you the peace that says, I am redeemed, I am born again. When I stand before God, he's not going to see my past. He's going to see his blood. I'm going to be clothed in righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. I'm not going to have to bring my own robe of righteousness because there's none suitable. But I'll be clothed in his righteousness. Here's the thing. We get in trouble when we get off course with people. You know, when we, when we get so fixated on something other than Jesus, and we, that becomes our, that's our narrative in life, and that's the way we live, and we walk, and we just consume by it, talk about it, live it, eat it, breathe it. You know, all of the other things that could be that, that takes us away from our calling. You know, Moses got into trouble when his flesh took over, and instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? He struck it twice, and then we see in Numbers 20, it cost him. Abraham lied twice when he focused on countering the attraction that Pharaoh would have in Egypt for his wife, and Abimelech, king of uh, Gerar, would, Gerar, would have, and so he lied. He didn't trust the Lord. He didn't walk in faith in this instance. He took it into his own hands. You know, anything that, any such, no matter who you are, is sin. How many know Abraham was a man just like we are? And he stumbled because he didn't stay on point. Noah and his family warned the people that the flood was coming, but they didn't stop construction to, to get into a conflict with those. They kept building. Today's not the day to spend our time getting in conflicts with everybody, hating everybody. In fact, if we're hating everybody, we need to get to these altars especially quickly today. Joshua only needed to shout as God directed him to do at the, at the walls of Jericho, and God gave a prescription as to what to do over the course of days, which would conclude with that, them going around the building or the walls seven times and the sounding of the trumpet, and then the people would yell. God told them how to do it. You know, Jacob or Joshua could have thought of a better way, but it wasn't his. God said, this is the way I want to do it. And God in this last hour said that you're the light of the world. He says that that you are his ambassadors. You have been called to share Jesus Christ. You are fishers of men. That's your calling. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get wound up in all of the angst and the anger of the world. There has to be something different. When people come to you, you we need to be an oasis, not a cesspool. The world is a cesspool without Jesus, but Jesus always heals the waters, and he makes us an oasis. How many here want to be an oasis? There are a lot of people looking for water, and they're dying without it. So this morning, you think about Nehemiah. He couldn't be lured down to get into an exchange with Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Because that would have probably ended in his injury or possible death. And he said, I've got a work to do, and I'm not coming down to you. You know, sometimes we have to say, when the distractions come, I'm not going to engage you. I'm not going to wrap myself up in this. That God has called me to a higher purpose, and I have to be focused there. Here's something that really struck me. Satan attempted to lure Jesus into an engagement which would have called for the Lord to discard his divine identity, his uh, divine nature and authority, and to respond from a merely human nature. And Jesus would not. Our warfare is not a fleshly, natural engagement. It is spiritual. How many people here, you know in your spirit that you are saved? 
you know, your head might wonder sometimes, but in your spirit. The Bible says the Spirit, our Spirit itself bears witness, the Holy Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. When you get saved, that we become the children of God. How many of you have that internal witness that you're born again? How many, how many say I'm born again today? God's Holy Spirit dwells in me. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I am a light in a dark world that needs Jesus. That fallen one on the Damascus road is the person whom God has called me to minister to. That person who's the least like me. God has called me to speak into their lives, to bring healing, to provide for the care and the nurturing of this uh, world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.3, For though we walk in flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. How about an amen for that, please? That's something to keep in mind in this day. Because you know who's going to change this thing? God is. And you know who he's going to change it through? The people who are on their faces before God. Your prayer cloth. I don't care how much you parade and tell everybody what you do and when you do it. It's what you do in your, when you, what you and God time. You know, if that weren't important, the Bible would have never talked about when you come out of your closet. You know, when the world comes out of the closet, the church should already be out of its closet, right? So have spent that time in the closet of prayer. People praying. Do you have a prayer closet? Do you have a prayer closet? Do you have a time and a place where you draw away from the world? Because this is critical to living this life and impacting and affecting other people. Doesn't, I didn't say how many times do you listen to Christian tapes and CDs and you do this and you do. I'm saying how many of us have a prayer closet? I mean a place, a time, even if it's in your car or it's up in a tree or it's in a cave or wherever it might be. You have a time and a place where you spend that time with God. Because if we're not spending that time with God, we don't have much life to release into the world around us. If we're not spending that time, and you say you're being harsh, I'm not. I'm just saying it's an imperative. You say, where are you going? I don't know. Right here, right now. But if you're going to release life into this world, something's got to be flowing into you. You can't release what hasn't been poured in. Come on, church. This is where it happens. This is where the fight is fought. This is where the war is won. It's when people are in the presence of God. If it's when you're alone, if it's at night, in the morning, sometime, spend that time and say, God, I'm so tired of being filled with what everybody else has to say. I want to hear you. I need to hear you, God, so that I can speak what you speak to me. Every Christian... Every believer has to have that time. I'm going to ask Tammy if she'd come. This will give you great comfort. We talk about this war, but do we know what this war is? I want to say, my, over time, I became so toxic. So toxic. When I just took in everything that was happening. Oh, you say, weren't you praying about it? You know what? Even our prayer lives are affected when we do this, when we become so inundated. Oh, it's all going down. Somebody told me yesterday we were laughing, the moon's going to wobble again. And you know what? I got to tell you, I just happened to, how many of you know who created the moon, right? Come on, church. 
Who created the heavens and the earth? Who created the moon to rule over the night and the sun by day? Come on, church. That's the message. The world needs to be introduced to the one who's created all this and has provided hope through Jesus Christ. I want to share. um, Tammy, if you play something for a few moments, that'll help get everybody ready for what God's going to release here in this prayer time. We're only effective when we are in Christ. I'm going to say this. These are important. If you can put those up, I'd appreciate it. Uh, We're only effective, if it's on there, we're only effective in Christ. We're only effective in the Holy Spirit. We're only effective when we are centered in the Word of God. Listen to each and every one of these. We're only effective when we know what type and with whom this conflict involves. We're only effective when we desire the Lord's kingdom to be established. How many know we are kingdom people? Are you a kingdom person today? We're only effective when we stand in his provision. We're only effective when we seek the righteousness. This isn't about how good I am or how good you are. This is just about how great Jesus is and what he does, what we allow him to do. You know, there's been a negative narrative saturating life. And it'd be easy for us to be drawn into that rage. There are people who rage against God and his righteousness and against the church. The church that embraces the totality of scripture and truly believe that Christ is the son of God and the way and the truth and the life. I'm going to tell you this, you may be shocked. It's expanding in some places, but in many places, it's shrinking. It's shrinking. See, nobody wants to say this stuff because we all want to be, oh, no. That's not the calling, right? That's not your calling. I want to tell you the Bible is the only inspired word of the living God. Amen? Amen. And he didn't leave any blank pages in it for us to write the gospel according to me and you. You see, and my war is not with that either, with those people and those others who are doing what they're doing when they taint the scripture. The war is a spiritual one. We're fighting for the souls of mankind in prayer in the Holy Spirit with the full armor of God. You know, this morning people say, oh, you oversimplify it. You give these childish images. That's okay. That's who I am. I want you to hear me this morning. Very simply. Don't look and assume that those who exist underneath steeples and have Jesus' name on their marquee are all aligned with that Lord. And I'm not here to condemn this church or that church. I'm just saying any church, whether it be this church or any church that preaches any other gospel to a world that's dying is not from God. Not from God. People who will tell those who are dying in sin that it's okay, just keep drowning. Do you understand that? It's okay, just keep drowning. 
you're dying and it's really, really, we love you a lot. And you just keep drowning in that lie. And we're going to let you just drown in that lie. And you're going to die without knowing the truth. You just go ahead and drown. We're good. But we'll, 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 we'll wear our ecclesiastical garments and, and we'll do our homilies and our things and our stuff. And you just go ahead and keep doing what you're doing because you're okay and I'm okay. That's not what the Bible tells Apart from Jesus, we die without knowing hope and life and eternal promise. You know, we're afraid to say this a lot of times anymore. Because, you know, I watched, uh, what's Chan's first name? Do you know? Francis. I was going to say Jackie. But uh, Francis Chan, I was watching a, a video, and he, was, he, he said he, he's in a, a demographic where if he stands up and really boldly speaks not sure if he wants to do that. He's conflicted. He knows the truth. He knows there's only one truth. He knows there's only one way. He knows what God's word says, but he knows in speaking it, there's going to be a cost. Jesus wasn't elected man of the year at the end of his life. He was beaten and hung between two criminals. You know that, right? And Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. We act like we're, oh God, please don't let me, don't let them dislike me. Don't let they're going to dislike you if you're really living for God. You hear me? If you're living in the light, you are the fragrance of, of God, of Christ to God. And that blesses those who are of the same fragrance. But you know something? Have you ever been around someone who had a, a fragrance that made you want to barf? I remember, I'm not just short, I was at Valley Forge sitting in the back seat of a car going to a place of ministry. There was a girl sitting beside me. She had something on, and I, I was pretty certain I was going to die. My eyes were watering and breaking out, and I thought, God, either help me to... I want to make sure I'm right so when I dive out this window or this door that I'll, I'll come to see you or I pray that she'll come to see you when I throw her out. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a moment. And I know I'm not good at sermonette, sorry. Never was. Morality should never be assumed in this world, but... You know, as we look at that and we see immorality and we see godlessness and we see hatred and we see perversion of every kind. God says, are you going to get embittered? Are you going to become toxic? Are you going to become brackish water? Are you going to just stand and curse people for whom Christ died? Are you going to share the love of Christ? As we pray this morning, our relationship with those who don't know Christ is to be redemptive, not prosecutorial. We're not the prosecutors. And as we invite you to take a moment here, I want you to know that we are to judge what happens within the body of Christ. But we are not the judges of the world. There will come a time when we'll reign and rule with Christ. But today... The only one who convinces man of sin is the Holy Spirit. And God wants to move I want to send you through the lifeline. You know, I, I enjoy, I honestly enjoy people. 
And you know who I really enjoy, and this may sound, I enjoy people who are unchurched. Because you can have some really good conversations. They don't know you're crazy yet, and you don't know if they're crazy. But you can, God gives so many lead-ins to share Jesus. To share Jesus. You know, are you, are you seeing that in your life? Can you give someone a hug and say to them, God loves you, God loves you, and pray that God will give you the opportunity over time to share life with them. I'm going to ask you this morning if you would be willing to come, if you have a physical need, spiritual need, whatever it might be. But here's the other thing. If you come to this altar, and I needed to repent, I said I wouldn't hold you long, long, long. I think I told, said that five times, and I'd have to apologize five times. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not making that promise again, but I want you to hear me. You know, the world is sinking quickly. It's lost. It's dying. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. People are dying without Jesus every single minute. And they need Jesus. They need hope. You know, I'm going to ask you this morning, would you open your heart enough to say, Lord, I want to release the toxic disposition and attitude that clouds my redemptive view of people. Oh, I don't approve of what goes on, and I'll speak out to it next Sunday if you're here. I'm going to speak on fearlessness. I'm excited about that. But I want to ask you this morning, would you be willing to take a few moments and say, God, as a church, as individuals, Lord, I want to release the toxic view that is overshadowing the redemptive view. I want to invite you to come with those who have needs and those who are going to pray if you would come, if you need anointed with oil, you know. You know, I, 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 I believe it's important that we tell you, say you preach long. You know what? I preached till I was done, till God finished. I want to ask you to come, those who are praying, if you have uh, our board members, our, our, our pastoral team, prayer team. These are people of love. I'm going to ask you this morning if you'd say to me, uh, Pastor Rick, you know, I want to release the negative frame of mind, the dark frame of mind that only sees people in a bad light, doesn't see what Jesus died for. Ask if you just take a moment and come to the altar. If you need uh, prayer for healing, whatever it is, God is here. He knows what you need. Just come up and stand in front of somebody who's here. And if we're coming, just say, God, release us, that we can be released into a greater compassion, a greater love. Lord, that we can share forgiveness with people who think they're unforgivable. Life those who have been dead for a long time. If you have a need here, you know, here's your chance to come up and be anointed with oil. I believe that the anointing of oil is what the scriptures tell us to do when we have needs. If you're physically in need today, would you come? 
this morning as we pray together. You know, a good portion of Littlestown will die without Jesus. of Adams County will die without Jesus man's already cursed and he's not saved thank you for listening you can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God Littlestown, Pennsylvania our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.